Here's a place where all of us can be safe. Our stories of transformation can be safe, and all the things we want to research are safe here. This is Safe Space with Cheyenne. I'm really excited you're here, and I hope you stick around for a while, because I've got a lot to show you before I leave Earth. I love you guys. Hello, my friends. Y'all have been asking about psychedelics, not just recreational psychedelics or going to music festivals and just having a really great time with your friends. But you really want to know about the clinical side of it, the medicine woman side of it, and even like, I mean, you guys know I talk about going to Costa Rica and taking ayahuasca and doing plant medicine is a really, really big part of my spiritual expansion that I want to do. But I, like you, am supremely curious about how we are regulating and handing this medicine out to people in America. And I have been fortunate enough to find Nina. And not only does she have a really amazing story of how she got into the work that she's doing, but the integrity that she has in the way that she serves the medicine and the way that she wants to keep people safe is probably one of the most inspiring things that I have talking to a licensed medical professional that wants to help. One of the things that we got in off the record was, is Western medicine taking the sacred and spirituality about it when they just look at it from a scientific and clinical standpoint? We don't have to discuss that today. I just want you to ask yourself that question because just like when marijuana came through, we were all super freaking stoked that we could smoke joints wherever we could, even though we didn't really like the taxes coming into play with it. But with medicine, whether it's psilocybin, bufo, I could go down the list for a couple, throw peyote in there if you want to. With all of these medicines going super mainstream and the clinics getting involved, there is a split down it into is the magic being taken out of it or now we're just focusing on the science. So before we dive anywhere near psychedelics, I'm going to introduce Nina to you and she's going to tell you how she ventured her way into how she is helping others find their way on their human and spiritual path. Right now you're located in New Mexico, but who knows where you'll be. So welcome to the show, Nina. That's such a fair point. Um, This is like my third state in the last two years. So I didn't even think about that when you said that. I was like, oh, that's a fair point. Who knows how long I'll be here and where I'll be. And um, like I had told you earlier, I've been having this calling as well to go to Costa Rica. And my calling is like, like a few months in Costa Rica. So I'm like, okay, well, we'll see how that, how that transpires. And if that happens and maybe I'll meet you down there. (laughs) Yeah. I would love to have a couple months to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. I will say before we get started, I found this family on Instagram. They, they set up their whole lives in Costa Rica. They went there as a family, visited, like they knew that they were called there and wanted to move, came back here, set everything up to be able to move. And now they work and live full time in Costa Rica. And I follow their work. I follow their spiritual expansions with their family, connecting with the land. And I was like, I wonder If I go to like a family facility, I would actually be able to take my daughter when she's older and we would be able to have all of these experiences together. Now, I'm not saying I want to go do ayahuasca while my kid's sleeping in another room because I would never be able to do that. I probably would have to leave her in America for that. 
But as far as staying in Costa Rica for a much longer extended stay, I have been observing this family over and over because they have like a family commune there for people from where I'm at to go to them with their kids in a safe environment and really get like the full feel of the island. So maybe that's a possibility too. That's another Costa Rica trip in my vision that I'm seeing where I can stay longer. Cause yes, I, I'm all about plant medicine. Um, I'm not a micro doser. I will be in the future. I'm really just very thick into like the research part of it. And I, like I told you before, like I want to make sure that I'm still able to be a really good mother and a really good wife when I come back home. And I want to make sure that I integrate it properly. I think I've done good so far with not having plant medicine, even the last four years with just all the sober experiences I have, which I think also makes me a little timid about what that could actually open. Cause when your channel's open, but it's not like DMT open. I no, think there's, I think there's cause difference. for concern. <laughs> yeah, for well, sure. Um, yeah, there is a difference. There is a difference from, from that. And, you know, I, I also through everything that I've been to I, I, through, I've kind of had like this question with, with psychedelics, like, psychedelics is they're amazing for like helping you move trauma right which is one of the reasons why clinically and i'll get into that a sec in a second was drawn to it but the other part of that is i'm like okay well once you've like moved massive chunks of trauma and you don't like have all of that anymore then like what do psychedelics do for you uh they help you develop your your psychic gifts and you in your channel and and that is another whole nother ride in and of itself trust mm -hmm. me like, just like, oh, okay. Um, so it's like the the darkness and the lightness. You get to experience both the dark and the light with psychedelics. Um, and some experiences are going to be really light, and you're going to be like, oh, wow, I consciously astral traveled just now. And some experiences are going to be really dark where you're like, wow, I just processed a stupid amount of trauma that I didn't realize I still had. Mm -hmm. So um, it's very, psychedelics are very interesting in that in that way, for sure. They are, but why, why did you get into it in the first place? Like, what were you doing before you decided to really work with the medicine in this way? Yeah. So I um, have always wanted to be a, 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 well, I wanted to be a psychologist. I wanted my doctorate. I decided this when I was 16. I was going to be a psychologist, and I was going to help people with their mental health after taking one psychology class in high school, right? Um, I was going to help people with their Involved mental health, and I wanted to own my own private practice. And this was my dream. And it's interesting because, like, I grew up in a very small farm town, very conservative, very ag-driven. Mental health was, like, not a thing that we talked about or was even in existence. So how weird was it that this is what I wanted to do? Now, looking back, I can tell you now, like, this was always my purpose, of being on this planet during this lifetime. This is my purpose. So like it makes sense now, but then for a lot of people, and I was so determined that that's what I was going to do. So I went to school and did all the things. And when I was in school getting my master's, I worked in the field and I worked with a lot of different populations with trauma. I worked um, for a very long time with domestic violence, human trafficking and stalking. I worked in uh, the foster care system for a really long time. 
And then uh, my private, when I first opened my private practice, it was across the street, literally across the street from an Air Force base. And so I worked with veterans and active military. So I worked in all of these spaces. And so trauma, aside from me having my own traumas and trying to get help for it, just became my jam. So that was my first expertise was trauma. And one thing I realized very early on is for myself, psychotherapy only did so much for my trauma. I needed energy work. I needed yoga somatic practices. I needed meditation. I needed breath work. I needed all of these things to help me hold this big container for healing my trauma. And so I opened my private practice, my psychotherapy private practice, immediately upon graduating with my master's. People don't really do that, but I did. And immediately I was like, I can't do regular psychotherapy. One, because I just couldn't do it. Um, and two, because I was like, I am doing my clients a massive disservice by only having them talk about their trauma or whatever. I need all of these other pieces. I needed that to heal myself. So why wouldn't I think that the other people needed these things. Plus I was extremely observant in all of those different job roles that I had prior to getting my licensure. And so I created a holistic protocol to the treatment of trauma and obviously depression and anxiety and all of the other diagnosis that, that comes secondary to trauma. So <clears throat> that's what I was doing. And I was still in Nebraska. And although I was in a city and a little bit more um, progressive, it was still, I was still really ahead of the curve where I was at. So although people were like, yeah, you're probably right. Like they weren't really wanting to go through that. Uh, I did have one client and I, I still talk to her today and she knows that I talk about this. So, um, but it was so beautiful. Like she came in so stuck in trauma and I took her through this protocol and it was freaking miraculous. So I decided to pack up my stuff and move to Colorado. One, it was closer to my parents <clears throat> who were in Western Nebraska. And secondly, I, I just needed to be in a more progressive area so that I could expand and grow into what I was learning about all of these things. Because once you start to learn more about the human condition in an integrative approach, especially how we're energetic beings and how energy works, you need to keep continue expanding that. But when you're in a place that's energetically stagnant where I was, and then also a place that's just a little bit behind the curve, as far as those things go, you, you need to, to move in order to have that happen. Also, prior to moving to Colorado, I had my spiritual awakening where I realized I had psychic gifts. Um, I was channeling during my therapy sessions, which was really bizarre to me. And I, you have this, like at the base of your head back here, you have this um, kind of portal opening where you actually release your trauma. So when my clients were releasing their trauma in session, I'd be sitting there and I would just see this black smoke coming out the back of their head. And I thought I was losing my mind. Um, I, I was like, I don't really know what's happening here, but turns out that I was just able to visually see them releasing parts of their trauma. And it was super cool. Right. So aside from 
just needing to be in a space to have my business grow and what I was learning there, I also really needed to be in a space that was going to foster my own spiritual growth and understanding. So I moved to Colorado. <laughs> uh, of course, right before the pandemic happened, I moved to Colorado. And I opened my private practice. I had a yoga studio. I had energy work. I had psychotherapy. It was like my dream come true right outside of Boulder. I was in North Denver. And um, then, of course, I had to shut everything down. And so I had to move things online. And I was getting people, but it wasn't building the way it was supposed to be building. So what did we do during the pandemic? We all sat in our little containers and um, we were online. The same right? pair for days. Yeah. So I was able to be in this container in my home where I was able to really dive deeper into quantum physics and mechanics. I was really able to dive deeper into bioenergetics. I was really able to dive deeper into my own psychic gifts. Um, I was expanding uh, psychically at an ex unbelievable rate. Uh, things were just happening. I started really working with my ancestors. They were coming through. All of this wonderful things, all these wonderful things are happening. And I'm still have my private practice. It's an integrative practice. And so I was getting, you know, these really amazing clients in and I was able to help them understand their experiences on all of these levels because I, I am like a very good psychotherapist. Um, I'm trained in a lot of different modalities. I pretty much dedicated six years of my life to nothing but getting psychotherapy training and working 80 hours a week. And I had nothing else going on when I was living in Nebraska, clearly. Um, and so I was able to do this amazing work because I was pulling in these concepts for people. And I remember this, I kept seeing this advertisement or this marketing post in this Boulder Facebook group. And it was a couple who were serving ayahuasca and they were marketing to traumatized women. And all of a sudden one woman very bravely one day commented under their post and was like, I have been assaulted by this couple. They took advantage of me while I was under the medicine. And then 35 more women came forward. Um, long story short, they did end up leaving Boulder. Nothing really, I don't think, happened to them um, legally in that area because it was still such a weird, like, gray space. Mm -hmm. um, and mushrooms were decriminalized in Denver at the time. So all of a sudden, I'm having all of these people come into my office that are experiencing plant medicine. And they were either, they had been a product of that or they had, um, you know, gone out of the country because this is when Joe Rogan started talking about it on his podcasts, right? And so they had gone out of the country and they had come back and they were having these crazy experiences and like didn't really understand because there's no real integration a lot of times when you go to these retreats and this is part of one of the problems, right? Like the retreat is kind of set up for you to keep coming back. It's not really set up to give you like really good integration, especially if you're going out of the country, because it's just kind of hard to, you know, not all of those tribes and things that you go 
when you go do it jungle style, they don't have Wi-Fi and whatever else, right? So, and people don't, because this was kind of the beginning of this movement in this area, people were not having an understanding that you need to integrate and whatever else. And when people go to the jungle and use it, those people that are using it in the jungle, this is their lifestyle. So they're just constantly integrating. Like they don't have an understanding of necessarily always. I mean, some of them do. So like, let's not go all or nothing here, but of, of how Westerners, like it's different for us. It's, it's, it's different. The, the integration is different. The ideals are different. The things that we're dealing with that are coming up in those ceremonies are a lot even different. Just so going back to your regular life compared to continuously taking ayahuasca, living in the jungle and being connected to mother earth. Yeah. yeah. So, and to your spiritual side and like mm-hmm. having this whole different ideal. So I was seeing that. And then also because all of the research then started coming out back, back out, we're going to say back out. Cause let's just be real. We've had this research for forever, yeah. but back up about psilocybin and how great that is for depression and anxiety and trauma and all these things. And so then I was having all of these people and it was decriminalized in Denver. So there's access to it. And I'm having all of these people having these like crazy experiences where one, I think a significant amount of them were taking way more than they needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, and then like not understanding the experience or thinking they having a bad trip or whatever else and coming into my office, just like, with these mental health issues because they were not having any integration or understanding of the medicine. So this was happening. And I was like, I mean, I smoked some pot in college and I drank, like I had never done any of the drugs. So I then started, of course, took this very clinical approach to it, right? I'm like, okay, well, I need to do all the research. So I did all of the clinical research. I did all of those things. But I also absolutely do not do anything with my clients that I have not done myself or experienced myself. The energy work, the the yoga, the meditation, the psychic stuff that I do, like, there's literally nothing. And if, if my clients are like, come to me and they're like, um, would you, can you recommend a person that does this? I'm like, no, I can't. I've never done that. Like, I will not just say, oh, well, I know this person and she's a cool person and she does this. But if I haven't had that experience with that person, I do not like recommend. Like I just, and I'm more of an experiential learner anyways. So as I was diving into psychedelics, of course, plant medicine comes up in that. And a lot of the clinical research is on psilocybin and MDMA at the time and ketamine because ketamine clinics were starting to pop up. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I'm not a super clinical person anyways. If you are one of my clients, you come to session and you realize that I am not a super clinical structured person. I work very intuitively. And like I say, I channel a lot of my therapy sessions are channeled. So um, I then started researching the cultures that were using psychedelic plant medicine and these indigenous communities. And I felt so in love with that. So in love with that. And so then I was like, well, I guess I'm going to have to understand what these medicines are like in order to help people integrate them. So I went on this massive journey myself of let's just go to these indigenous communities and do all these psychedelics because why wouldn't I? It's like Hamilton's pharmacopoeia. 
sort of. <laughs> That's what I think of it, even though you're not obviously like the scientist, like breaking it down in a lab, but you're like, I'm going to go experience these and I'm going to tell everybody. I will tell you too, um, after doing, there's only one that I haven't done and it's just because it, it's not, I know I will do it, but I haven't had the calling or the right situation for that. Um, and that's peyote. And I am, you know, like, again, these are such sacred medicines and I am not going to just do it. Right. Like I need to have that calling. I need to have that spiritual calling. And then once that calling comes for me, the opportunity, the exact right opportunity for me presents itself and then I will go do it. So would I recommend people to just wild out on psychedelics and this plant medicine the way I did? No, definitely not. However, if that's your journey, I'm not going to judge that because mm. I, for me, it really needed to happen the way that it did, um, which was so unreal, so unreal. Is this so, a good time where I ask questions about destabilizing your whole framework yeah. of your mind and how important it is to just not literally dive so heavily deep and break everything apart because you're literally going to sit on the ground with everything you thought you were thought you believed and thought the way the world was and you really have no idea how to get up from that point you're just like oh well, maybe i'll just dive deeper into this medicine and it's like there's a balance and moderation with everything but there is yeah. a huge destabilization culture in this whole movement yeah so great point right um so you're you're absolutely correct in that and although i had extremely beautiful experiences with all of this medicine and it has transformed my life in the most beautiful amazing unreal ways it also was freaking terrifying and horrible and crappy as all hell mm -hmm. and i think it's really important that we understand both sides of those things because so many people talk about it you see people all the time and i'm totally i'm totally have done this so like I'm, I'm very guilty of this where people go do the medicine and then you're in that afterglow for uh, weeks or months because it actually takes um, sometimes up to three months to titrate the medicine out of your body. So like you can still be having DMT flashbacks for up to three months after you've taken ayahuasca, things like that. Right. And you're just in this and you're still in this like serotonin, like, ah, because it's still releasing in your body. And so it's still surging those things. And it's what people call the afterglow. And that's when people are taking their Instagram photos and they're putting their posts on Facebook about how beautiful and amazing and wonderful it was. But what they're not talking about is how then three months after that or six months after that or a year after that, because I would give I mean, integration is a lifelong process for anyone sitting with the medicine, but I would give a minimum of 12 months if you go sit with ayahuasca one time, like to integrate all that that happens in that. And so they're not talking about the when it gets real, real hard and real difficult. I remember before going down this journey, I had a friend and she's so, so beautiful and um, I might get a little emotional with this, but she was trying so desperately and so hard to find her purpose in life. And she found 
a psychedelic facilitator and she had went through many massive mushroom journeys um and she actually ended up taking her own life last year because she just wasn't able to integrate and find that purpose through integration because she just didn't have integration or proper integration so there are some really crazy parts of this and of course i did i started with mushrooms and i did a little well it wasn't really a little journey it was a pretty big journey to be honest um when i sit when i think about all the other medicines i'm like yeah that was little but it really wasn't um especially it was my first experience and it was this beautiful experience and it was really amazing and there wasn't much to integrate from that to be real honest so then um probably eight months later well i'm gonna tell you what happened at, at the time so i my cat of 16 years died my dog of 17 years died and that's really important to know because i'm old and they were like my children so <laughs> those that was i mean it was devastating i, don't know why I that was so <laughs> funny at the time it's I, I don't want to laugh at that, but at the same time, you're like, that's really important because I'm old and they're my it's, children. It's I'm so like, important. Like, noted. It, it, I get that they're just pets, but like, look, it was so much deeper for me. And I decided to close down my dream business in Colorado. And um, I had a falling out with my best friend at the time. And I was just not in a good place. I was like, uh, here's the death of my dreams. And so at the time I had a plant medicine mentor and she was like, you need to come do Bufo. And I was just like, sure. Cause I was like, what, well, whatever. If you think that's what I need, that's what I need. So that was like, honestly, the first experience I had. And I went down and did Bufo and, um, holy crap. That's like, the biggest probably experience you could have. Um, I only last like 20 minutes. So I was served twice. The first time was 15 minutes and the second time was like 25, 30 minutes. Okay. Um, I was unconscious. I, I wasn't, I was semi conscious in moments of the first sitting. I was completely unconscious of the second sitting. Um, obviously when I came to, People were, like, telling me what I was doing during that um, experience, but I was just like, okay. I felt amazing. I was like, I love everybody. Everybody loves me. I am love. Like, it was wonderful, right? Over the next week, um, I was astral traveling a lot, which, honestly, if you've never felt, if you don't know what that is, and you've never felt your soul leave your body to astral travel and DMT has blasted you open and you are now experiencing that, that would have been absolutely freaking terrifying. But I am well versed in that spiritual concept and I've had those experiences before. So for me, I was like, oh, wow, I'm like really conscious this time. Like, this is cool, right? Mm-hmm. I was walking through the park and having my guides like be very present. I could see my ancestral guides very vividly as if they were there talking to me like like I could physically touch them. Um, I'm sure I looked like an insane person. 
luckily I understood all of these things and I was having small moments of visions of like what I was experiencing when I was under the bufo unconscious right so it's my experience is now coming forth to my conscious reality and there were some spiritual things that I had to do and take care of like that came up for me I don't know that that's everybody's experience but I just again I'm a very gifted psychic so I like had those experiences um and then over the next month I was having these moments where I felt amazing in these moments. But to people outside of me, it was really terrifying because all of a sudden my breathing would get really weird and I would start contorting my body in ways that shouldn't have really physically been possible. And I would start channeling weird stuff and like all of these things were happening. And I remember my best friend one time, um, he like was shaking me out of it. And he's like, I almost called an ambulance. Like I thought you stopped breathing. And I was like, really? Cause I'm just like over here having this blissful experience because what it did was I was having like DMT flashbacks, like five MEO DMT flashbacks. But then also like all of these other energies and things were, cause my channel was wide open and I didn't understand that because I've never taken this medicine before. Unfortunately for me at the time, the facilitators I sat with who I thought were supposed to do my integration with me ghosted me. So I had no understanding of what was happening to me. Uh, and it was terrifying because you like think you're losing your mind. I also had, um, so another one of my expertise, my clinical expertise is suicidal ideation. I studied that for a very long time. I studied with Dr. Joyner. Like it was, uh, I'm very well versed in it. But one thing that we didn't really talk about is near-death experience suicidal ideation. So when people have near-death experiences, they will say that they met their ancestors or their loved ones or God or Jesus or whatever on the other side and they saw the light and they didn't want to come back, but whoever they were interacting with was like, you need to come back. And then they come back and they have this sense of purpose, but they didn't want to come back, right? So I didn't have a conscious experience in that. I had a subconscious experience in that. So one of the things that I held on to through that experience was this, I don't want to come back. And I didn't get to have the experience where the loved ones or whatever I was seeing was like, no, you have to. And you come back with a, a renewed sense of purpose. So I have no idea what's happening to me in all these weird situations. I am having no integration whatsoever. And then all of a sudden I'm having massive suicidal ideation because I don't want to be here. It, I felt so free and so amazing on the other side. Why would I want to come back into this human body and be here? Like this is stupid, right? Like this is what kept going on. And one night it did get bad and I called my best friend and I was like, I just don't want to be here anymore. I like, I don't think I can do this. And, um, he immediately called my mom and obviously like they watched over me for the next 24 hours. That next morning there was a facilitator, a plant medicine facilitator. Um, she facilitates a boga and she, contacted me and she was like hey I know you were really interested in this because I connected with a lot of people and all these different medicines right like I, I I wanted to learn about all of the things people were doing um and so she was like 
I just want to let you know I'm having this retreat, you know, whatever. And she's just messaging me. And I messaged her back. I sent her this text message. I said, F plant medicine. I'm never doing this again. I absolutely do not think I can get through this integration of this medicine, let alone another one. I almost killed myself last night. This is the worst thing. Nobody should ever do this again. Like, I don't know why people do this. I think it's absolutely irresponsible that you are serving. Like, I just went off. She immediately calls me. Bless her soul. She immediately calls me and goes, what is happening? What is going on? And I was like, I took this medicine and I like laid it all out for her. All these things that were happening, the suicidal ideation. She's like, oh, sweetie, I am so sorry. She goes, I'm so sorry that someone served you the biggest of the biggest. They served you the God particle. They didn't give you any information or integration. They didn't prepare you for it properly ahead of time. They didn't help you after the fact. I'm so, so sorry you've had this. She literally explained to me what the suicidal ideation was because I'm like, look, I'm an expert in this stuff and I'm not even understanding this. Like, I'm not even understanding what's happening. She explained all of that. She explained, like, what the God particle meant. She explained to me all of it. And I took a deep breath and she was like, look, a boga is the human particle and it's going to reconnect you with your human self. I really think you need to come to this retreat. And I was like, fine. I don't really have anything else to lose at this point because I'm you know, like, lost I've lost my all this mind. So, um, I contacted, there's a shaman here in uh, New Mexico that's so amazing. And I contacted her and I was like, I think my signal's been blown open to a degree that I don't understand. Can you help me through some of these things? And so I started working with her and um, she's, she's just such a great friend of mine. And she has been helping me a lot. I mean, she's been helping me for the last couple years now because um with each psychedelic comes another level of what the hell mm-hmm. um in the spiritual realm for sure so uh so we've been working together i went down probably a month later and i did a boga and at the time um i had hashimoto's which is an autoimmune disease that was out of remission massively and I had stage four Epstein Barr, which is an autoimmune disease that affects your liver. And my liver was kind of starting to shut down. But like Western medicine couldn't do anything with me until my liver was shutting down. And um, I was on a bunch of different supplements and things. And but I was like essentially dying. And I knew how sick I was, but nobody else in my life knew how sick I was because they're kind of invisible diseases. And so um, I show up to the temple and the shaman she looks at me and she's like I'm really glad you're here because you're dying I was like you're right I am and thank you like I don't know and I mean I show up to this place like when I went previously to go do Bufo I went with my plant medicine mentor that I had been working with for you know almost over a year at that point I was very comfortable I knew her I was staying at her house like I had actually met her once before that I had went and and met her and we were, you know, on the phone daily almost forever. This situation, I literally just met this shaman, didn't know her. I had two phone calls with her prior to this and I didn't know anybody else. And so you show up to like this group of strangers and you're about to take this massive psychedelic and it was kind of terrifying. And that's how she greeted me. So, um, I 
went through the aboga ceremony and I remember popping up like in the middle of the ceremony being like, Hey, and she's like, what? And I was like, it just healed my body. And she's like, cool. And then I laid back down and start, cool. you know, continue tripping. Right. <laughs> she's just like, that's cool. <laughs> Whatever. Like, um, and of course I was like, really, I didn't have an opportunity to be skeptical about it. Part of what psychedelics do is rewire your brain and reconnect neural pathways that have been disconnected and whatever else. And I came out of that experience mind blown. And I don't know. It took me a while. Like it was, that was because that was my first conscious experience. Right. And I came out of that. And a week later I did testing for my doctor and I tested negative for two autoimmune diseases that they told me I would have for the rest of my life because they're incurable. I stopped taking all of my medication, prescription supplements. I stopped my medical treatment. I stopped everything. And I feel like the best I've ever felt in my life, you know, over a year later. So, um, three months after that, I went back and did a BOGA again. Um, that's my medicine. I love that medicine. It is, I get like so emotional when I speak about aboga because not, I mean, not just because it saved my life in multiple ways, because it also did reconnect me with my human. I did come out of that with a sense of purpose. I had no suicidal ideation after that. Like it was very, very much needed for me. It saved my life in a couple of ways, but just because I honestly work with it so well because I have this remembering, which I'm going to get to in a minute, but I had this remembering of like, oh, I've used this before and my ancestors were all there and they were all like, this is exactly what you need to do and how you need to do it. And I was just following along. I was, I was just listening to my spiritual guidance during this medicine and you know, everybody talks about when you do these medicines and you like vomit or you have diarrhea, whatever. I didn't have any of those issues because I was moving the energy as my guides were telling me to. So there is a massively spiritual piece to these medicines, right? Not just do you get to work with the spirit of the plant, um, but when you're able to have your channel that open and you're able to understand that you are connecting with your guides, your angels, ascended masters, like your ancestors, like whatever you're working with, it's, you know, whatever. Um, and you're able to understand that and have that communication and that connection. Like it does make the medicine so much easier. So the second time I went back and I did a boga again and it was just this beautiful amazing wonderful experience i say that but i'm also going to tell you that the typical experience um with this particular shaman was about 10 to 12 hours long and i resisted the medicine for the first 12 the second time i did not surrender to it i was very much in my human brain and in my head and so my experience lasted like 28 hours so I was tripping for 28 hours. And that first 12 hours no. was my own personal, my own personal hell. Um, 1,000%. Mm. But I'm saying it's also such a beautiful experience because that was the experience that I needed to have. And it really, I learned so much. But again, massive experience, right? 
So I go home and I'm trying to integrate these things. I'm trying to understand what's happening. Three months later, if you notice, like every three months I go do medicine, three months later, I decide that I'm going to do ayahuasca. I was called to ayahuasca and I was freaking unbelievably terrified because I had that experience with 5-MeO-DMT and it was traumatizing to me. And I knew that Aya was DMT. And I was like, I don't know that my body reacts so great to this stuff. So I was very careful in picking the shaman. And of course, by this point, I've learned, right? I've learned that you need to have pre-integration. And I mean, really good pre-integration, which means preparing you to take the medicine, and preparing you for what's afterwards. I'm learning that you need to make sure that you have a safe facilitator and I don't just mean like not going to um, assault me like those women in the beginning of my story safe, but also are you trauma informed? Do you know how to handle trauma? Do you know that if, if my trauma comes up, are you going to be able to handle that? But also are you trained from other indigenous shamans so this is like if you're not going to an indigenous community to use it right are you trained for other indigenous shamans that know how to handle when i'm channeling weird stuff or when other energies are coming through me or when my soul decides it's going to leave its body during this experience are you going to be able to help bring it back because i'm under medicine and i'm, I'm not exactly conscious of what's happening always so there are all of these factors and it's like you really need to have this you need to understand what you need and you need to understand how to find and vet a facilitator not just go to somebody who says they serve medicine so i was i mean i like I was very diligent in this. And then I was very diligent in my conversations ahead of time with him and saying, I have these fears and I am nervous about what trauma might come up. And I'm nervous about these things that happened to me, like channeling and my body contorting and I need to scream. So are we going to be somewhere where I can scream? Because that's how I move energy and not, you know, crap my pants or vomit. Like, that's how my ancestors taught me. So like, am I going to, you know, like all of these things. And he was amazing and wonderful. And when I was in that experience, the other thing that typically happens, especially like, and I can't speak to everything. So just keep in mind that, you know, this is not an all or nothing conversation really. But when you go and you do it jungle style, they just kind of give you the amounts of ayahuasca and then like hope everybody has this experience. And I was very adamant about my fear of this DMT, but wanting to experience ayahuasca. I had been um, microdosing the bee cappy or the ayahuasca vine for over a year before sitting with her in full form. And she is beautiful and she was amazing and I love microdosing her. So I, I really wanted to have this full experience, but I was very scared. And he, um, first of all, was like, you're super sensitive to DMT. We're very aware of that. Um, so he served me. He allowed me to A, be in control of the serving, and B, he served me slowly. So he would serve me a little bit, and then it would kick in, and then I would work with it, and then I would ask my higher self, am I ready for the next level to go deeper? And it was like, yes. And then I would I would raise my hand, and he would serve me some more. Um, so one, he did that in a way that was so 
good for me. The other thing that happened is the first night through moving my energy, of course, I was channeling a bunch of weird stuff and I was, my body, it's very, these medicines are very somatic because what the plant medicines help you do is move stuck energy out of your body. So you're going to, that's why you vomit. That's why you have diarrhea. That's why a lot of people shake. That's why a lot of people scream. That's why your body is like having all of these like weird things happening to it because it's very somatic. And I did get myself into like a trauma state where I was reliving some old trauma and he handled that so well and got me grounded and got me out of it. When I was channeling the things, he also did some like shamanic energy work and helped me get out of it so that I could be back into what I needed to be. Like he was so amazing. So I have this other grand experience and I come out of it. And of course there was kind of a same theme for every experience that I had had, um, in doing the other ones. And then since then, like since the ayahuasca, like there are other psychedelics obviously that I've, I've done and had, um, but those were the ones that were like these very big, prominent, like massive experiences. Right. Um, and now I'm almost a year, I'm over a year, two years, um, somewhere in there uh, from these experiences, and I'm just now still integrating all of this. It changed my physical health and having to, and, and the thing is, is it changed in an instant, right? So I wake up. And I have to learn how to function with a healthy body when I've had a sick body for almost 10 years. And that's difficult. Like you don't just know how to do that or know what to do with that or all of the, all of the things that like mindsets that I've created around having this sick body and like, and that's part of what keeps you sick is because you think you're sick. Right. And so I have to change this mindset of wait, wait, what? I'm not sick. I'm not, and it's not, it's not automatic like people think or like all of the, the diets that I was on. I'm like, wait, what? Like I can eat that. That's not a, that's not an evil food or that's not a whatever. That's not going to make me sick. So you, it changed my perception of my physical body. It changed my perception of my world. It changed my perception massively of my work, of my clients. It changed literally my perception of everything. And you cannot go back. But you still come out with the old patternings, the thought processes, the old people in your life, the old, um, you still come back to like your old self and your old world, but nothing is the same. And this is why integration is so important. And it's so important. I have been so freaking blessed to have this amazing integration group and all of these amazing practitioners around me in these different realms, like helping me get through this because otherwise I don't think I could have. So, but through all of this experience, right, having one foot in the clinical world where things are about, you know, being legalized across the United States with regulations and whatever, um, and then having another foot in the plant medicine world, understanding the spiritual 
the the spirituality of it and understanding the um that that's a vital piece of the human condition and understanding the cultural and significance and the sacredness to these indigenous communities right so like i have these feet planted in both sides and i'm glad that i had these experiences because you cannot I'm going to tell you this. You cannot go take a course on how to be an integration coach or therapist and think that you know how to integrate all of these medicines if you have not had these experiences. And I'm saying this so lovingly, but it's because the integration and the experience with these medicines are very different like buffalo i was completely unconscious for almost 30 minutes and it wasn't until eight nine months later when i did 10 months later when i did ayahuasca that i actually integrated and understood what i experienced in my bufo aya is the one who showed me that she was like oh by the way also let's clear up this trauma that you had with this medicine because it is a traumatizing medicine even if you have a beautiful experience because you're blasted out of your freaking body and also here let me show you what 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 you learned in that let me show you what the experience was that you actually had let's bring that to your conscious even though subconsciously you've you've been aware of this but let's bring this forward and i was like wow that was a really beautiful experience but I wouldn't have probably known right so I think it's important when we're talking about safety and we're talking about all of these things right so yesterday I just read yesterday that there were two people in Oregon that are the first to be licensed for psilocybin facilitators and they are licensed by the state of Oregon per the state of Oregon's regulations and can facilitate psilocybin journeys in a state-approved facility. Cool. I'm so grateful that we are getting access to these things that, done appropriately, can help people process years of trauma in a few hours and not have to be in therapy for freaking ever. Because... Trauma treatment is very integrative, and if you're not working on a mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical level, you're not going to heal your trauma. Psychotherapy is great coping skill, and it's a vital piece to help you logically process your trauma, but it's not going to help you heal if it is not an integrative approach. Psychedelics are integrative on a whole because they encompass all of that in one thing. Right. In like one experience, you're having that somatic physical experience, you're having the mental experience, you're having the emotional experience, you're having the spiritual experience. That's why it's so that's why these medicines are so helpful for trauma. So that's great that we're getting access to people. But also, are you taking the spiritual and sacredness out of this when you do that in a state approved facility? Because what the hell does that look like? And also, are you, how do I want to, what's the word I want to use? 
what are you doing to the indigenous communities that hold these things so sacred? And are you just colonizing them? Like, how are we going to bridge that gap in this clinical space? How are we going to get access, you know, let people have access to these medicines that, that the earth is providing for us that are here to help us evolve as humans, but also not take away from these amazing cultures and indigenous communities that have been using this since the beginning of time that we've just completely fucking discounted. Like, how are we going to bridge that gap? Then when you go over here to the plant medicine community and you look at like I was talking about earlier, when you go to, to the jungle to use it, and I'm not saying don't do this because I know this is kind of like your plan. And if that's your calling, do it because there's a reason that's your calling. But are those people trauma-informed? Do they understand that Westerners probably don't need massive amounts of medicine? Do they understand what Westerners are dealing with? Probably not because, I mean, and thank God they don't because don't even get me started on that whole thing. And how do we make sure that there's... From the mother. What? I said they would be just as disconnected from the mother. Right. Exactly. So, but how do we then also make sure that that they have kind of that understanding? And how do we make sure that they understand that we need massive integration as Westerners? How do they, you know, how do we make sure that people are getting pre-integration, that people are getting integration, that people are um, really understanding the vital pieces of that. And how are we, because I, I told you this earlier, how, um, you know, in one of my experiences, I was channeling, several manifestations came through me. And the the shaman just kind of like wrote it off. Like it was just like, yeah, you had a psychedelic experience. But then a month ago, I was doing that same thing. Those same manifestations came through me completely sober. So, okay, it's not just a psychedelic experience. Like, don't... I don't know that the shaman meant it in a way of, like, oh, yeah, that's just a medicine. It's not you. It's not, like, anything that's going to happen outside of the medicine. I don't even know that they meant it that way. I think they were just, like, thought that I understood that mm -hmm. it wasn't just the medicine. And, and I did it because when he said that, I was like, oh, it's just the medicine. Like, I'm just hallucinating or I'm just whatever because I'm on this medicine. That's not true. The medicine brings up what's already in you. It helps you remember things. It brings up, like, like so they say that um, Bufo is the god particle and you meet your god self. That aboga is a human particle and you meet your human self, which is also why a lot of people don't like aboga, by the way, um, because it's a little bit more harsh because it'll F your ego for sure. Um, and then a lot of people say that Aya is your soul self and you get to meet your soul self. And that's also why it's such a beautiful experience, right? So when you've met all of these parts of yourself and you're having to realize that you're not just human, that you are also partially God and that you are partially human and that you are um, partially your soul and that that's what makes up a human and that makes up your whole being like that's that's a lot to deal with and how do we make sure that we're not 
discounting these experiences and that people are understanding like oh, then this shit can happen to you when you're sober later like because it's kind of terrifying that that there are these other things that happen to us outside of that and and then also how do you deal with that suicidal ideation when it comes up because it's actually fairly common in the plant medicine world but it's not something that's really always talked about because um, it's just not something that's talked about as a whole so i've really Obviously, I'm in the clinical space. I'm a licensed professional. And I am excited about legalization, but I also am very much advocating for we need to bridge the gap with indigenous communities. I myself am Native American, and I know very much what it's like to be colonized. And even though I didn't grow up embedded in that culture doesn't mean that I didn't have those experiences, right? Or, or have that understanding. And so we really need to advocate for our indigenous communities and these cultures and the spiritual and sacredness of these freaking medicines. Like I am so solid on that. So there has been like this weird space and with me on the clinical side of things um, and some of my colleagues and whatever else. And then on the other hand, I'm very much an advocate for, look, you go to any shaman or facilitator you want to go to, but make sure you are doing it safely and you vet the facilitators, make sure that you have a pre-integration plan, make sure you have an integration plan after the fact, and make sure that if you're going to, that, that you have, if you have trauma, which I'm sorry, but we all do at this point, mm. like, we all went through the pandemic. We all have trauma at this point. It might be different types of trauma. We all have trauma. Make sure that you're working with someone who really understands trauma and who really understands if you're having suicidal ideation, don't work with an integration coach that doesn't know jack shit about that. So make sure that you understand the resources and make sure that you understand those things. And I know that that's not always easy to find. And people get really wrapped up in the miraculous magic of psychedelics and don't understand necessarily how to do it safely i had a man call me and this was also prior to any of this by the way i had a man call me and he was like um i think i need to uh ask you about mdma therapy do you do that and i said well no you can't do that outside of clinical trials and why are you asking me about mdma therapy well, I had a really bad trip on mushrooms. And I said, well, I don't believe that you could have a bad trip on mushrooms, which is also probably going to trigger some people <laughs> listening to this. But I'm like, I don't believe you can have a bad trip on mushrooms. So tell me what your experience was. And he said, well, I really needed to process some trauma. So I went and bought eight grams of mushrooms because that's how much the guy had and gave me it in the bag. And I ate them all. And then I sat in a corner all night shaking and sucking my thumb and I was like so you wanted to process trauma by yourself probably not a great idea why did you take 8 grams well that's how much was in the bag and so I just thought I was supposed to take the whole bag well have you ever used these before no okay that was that was way too much, especially for your first time, especially for by yourself, especially for processing trauma. Was like, so I said to him, I said, look, I know nothing about you outside of what you just told me. But I said, I'm about betting that you have had trauma in infancy and as a young child. 
and you the mushrooms did exactly what you wanted them to do because mushrooms are a childlike spirit and this is what i'm talking about the spiritual piece of the plants right Aya is the grandmother, Mescaline is the grandfather, um, Aboga definitely has a very distinct spirit about it. I said, it's a childlike spirit, it took you, you, you ate a ton of them, so it took you very deeply into your childhood trauma, and you had this experience. And he was like, wow, actually, that makes a lot of sense. And I said, okay, so was it a bad trip or was it just a trip you didn't understand? And he's like, it's a trip I didn't understand. And then he came in for more integration and he had like, got he actually got a lot out of what he did. But I was like, I bet that was really terrifying for you to sit there in that and to understand that you can pull yourself in and out of psychedelics and you can pull yourself in and out of the experiences. A lot of people don't understand that. To also understand that how each one of them works, not just chemically and clinically in the brain, which is really cool to understand and very important, but um, also like mushrooms is more of a neutral spirit and it's a childlike spirit. So it's going to take whatever your brain is deciding to think about and dunk you into that hole. So if you're kind of on a negative thought loop, it's going to dunk you further into that. And can you get out of that? Do you have someone to call to get out of that if you're doing this yourself? There's so many ways that we can, like, reduce the harm that's happening in these communities or in these situations. Um, And, like, then there are other medicines that that aren't really a neutral. They're going to definitely take you to where you need to be taken no matter what your intention is and so having that understanding too but that's my story I guess um my very long story and how I came to do what I do um and it's I think so amazing and great and wonderful that you are getting to have these conversations with people because I think there needs to be so much awareness around like the the big picture of what this is and not just getting so caught up in like the magic of it. Um, because I think a lot of people do and, and then they go have these experiences and they're like, Oh shit, now what? Um, and I'll tell you, like, I still like microdosing has helped me get through this integration, but the integration of doing it the way I did it has been absolutely insanely intense and has not been easy. And if I didn't have like an amazing support team, like, I don't know that I would have made it through that. So these things are not things to just take lightly, for sure. I love everything you said. Like I was just sitting here like, don't don't interrupt, don't interrupt, just let her keep going. This is brilliant. This is beautiful. I want to keep going. I want to hear this conversation over and over and over. It's extremely informative, especially from, I mean, from your personal experience, especially. Uh, I feel the exact same way as you with recommending certain healing anything like hey do you have can you recommend this no i haven't experienced it yeah move along this is what i've done you know take it or leave it um i have not the i don't have rape combo bufo i don't have any of those experiences i've researched them i've i've seen the joe rogan i've even seen the mike tyson episode where he does it, which they just at the time called it New Mexican Toad Venom, um, and then kind of explained how they went about getting it. But um, I've always been super intrigued from the science of it where you brought up where it reconnects neural pathways in your brain. 
Um, yeah. Ayahuasca, they did basically, it would have been like, I guess you could say an EEG scan. And um, there's like the two, there's this diagram. It looks like there's almost like two lungs in the back of your head right here. I don't know what they call that, like upside down or something, but they glow red on this diagram that I saw. And it was anxiety and fear and like trauma, like this is where you're trapped back at. And even in yoga practices for breath work and energy movement and even meridian lines, like they have breath work where you do, where you wipe the main meridian line and you wipe it out of your system like that. So I had already had that knowledge when I had come across this diagram where they were showing the part of someone's brain lighting up the trauma in their head while they were in ayahuasca and they're they're trying to like dumb it down so people could understand it but they're like it sends you back to the trauma to face it in a stronger way and then it actually releases the trauma from you you don't have to relive this anymore it isn't trapped in your body you completely understand why you went through the experience you did you lift yourself from the mindset the victim mindset but also why did this happen to me for what did this do for me? Because whether we labeled a good or bad situation, there's always a silver lining. You don't really wanna talk about silver lining and rape and death and murder and all of that. I totally get that. I, it sounds serial killery to be like, there's a silver lining and all of that. There is a lesson in all of this somehow, but these medicines have been proven to take you to these places. And that's why I love that you underline the be safe part of it because you can go there. And like for me, like I want a safe place where I can go break open, but I don't have time to play Humpty Dumpty and sit here and put myself back together really quick. Act like I didn't just go get my soul ripped from my body and cleansed and shoved back in. And then go, oh, hey, I've been in Costa Rica for two weeks. We did plant medicine for literally 10 days. And now I'm just going to hop back over to America and live my purpose. And yeah, I've seen so many stories like that. And I love that you brought up like the afterglow photos, how they're like, they woke up the next day. They're sitting by a river. Oh my gosh, when I got here, I was going to kill myself. And I've been clinically depressed for 20 years. And after this one night expansive experience, everything's totally fine. And you go to their Instagram page and you can check the dates on their posts or anything. They either quit fucking posting after those six pictures or like you have, you have no idea like what the medicine continued to do for these people. So yeah. for someone on my end who really is doing a lot of the research to figure out, well, what medicine should I start with? What traumas do, you know, am I really still working on in the yoga, meditation, journaling, those normal ways outside of plant medicine? Where do I go? What's safe? Who is safe? Because any freak can make a really good advertisement these days. Like, let's list off of a couple corporate companies, right? Any, anything with a advertisement and food, probably not good for you, right? So you got to think that with plant medicine, it's like, okay, I found this really great facility that celebrities go to. So if celebrities go to it, it must be good. And then you find out they're like packing rooms full of way too many people and the facilitators are overwhelmed. And the facilitators are not shamans. They don't know how to work with the ancestral line of the plate medicine. And it's a big fucking whitewash charade. Mm -hmm. I don't know how else to say it. 
but that's just how it feels to me. Every time something beautiful and sacred comes over to this country, we have to rip the fucking sacred part out of it and go, here's aesthetic yoga. And now yeah. we're ripping the roots out of medicine and going, here's a clinical trial. And yes, yes, you're right. It absolutely works. I know that there is like we're just stepping on so many toes because I'm like you. I do think the clinical aspect of it needs to happen, but that doesn't mean that the people who understand how sacred and truly connecting you back to your divine part is being taken out of it by this weird mass movement of like, obviously just the government being the government, right? We don't even have to get into that. But yeah. moving forward, like for you, what do you think plant medicine is going to look like? Fuck 5, 10, 15, 20, right? Because these are like the very revolutionary periods where everybody's perspective's changing it. Some people will come forward and do it. Others will still do it underneath. But when it's like the norm, like you remember when marijuana was legalized, we were like, oh my fucking God, I saw somebody smoking a joint outside. He didn't kill anybody. It's so crazy. So like nobody gives a shit about weed anymore. Nobody gives a shit that you grow it, right? So then let's just go like 50 years in the future with psychedelics just being, let me go to 7-Eleven and grab an eighth, which I'm not saying it's like that, but just that normalcy where you hear people going and doing plant medicine or going, whether it's clinical, whether it's, you know, some five star, live in the jungle, do yoga, eat clean food and go see the sites type thing. What does that look like for you, especially in in the mix of being a licensed therapist, having all this background, but you're moving forward with the medicine community and the passion to keep the indigenous culture alive and honored and sacred. I think, well, I think if we're talking 50 years, none of this shit's even gonna be an issue. In 50 years, we're all gonna be doing it like normally, regularly. This is what, like, it's this just is what be was like provided a normal to recommendation. Us as oh, we know what's happening. We're just we're gonna go hook you back up to AWOL really quick. Everything's fine. Like I don't think that I don't think that the regulations and the clinicalness of this is gonna win mm -hmm. in fifty years. We're all gonna be doing weird shamanic shit in fifty years because we're all waking up to our own spiritual gifts. We're all waking up to that. I was gonna say we're the all next remembering. That's the exciting mm -hmm. part about it. Remembering, yep. Yes. The next five years, though, I think that we're going to go through a lot of growing pains with it. I think the government is going to try to control it very much so. And I think that there are, hopefully, I mean, there's obviously, it's still going to be underground like it has been since the freaking 60s like this never went away mm -hmm. when they decided to schedule all this shit as drugs like it never went away like it was just all went underground yeah, and that's underground. still going to continue to happen until it's safe to not do that for people and then i think they're also going to be practitioners like me that are going to bridge the gap mm -hmm. like yes do i want to become licensed in this when that's available Absolutely. Will I do it in a ster sterile state approved facility? Probably not. So if that is the stipulation, I'm not going to get that license. If the stipulation is you can get licensed in this, you can prove that you're 
but the state decides that you're a good practitioner of these things, which also don't even get me into that because that is a whole nother podcast. Um, but then you get to do it the way you do it. It's the same thing that I'm going to be doing in my therapy practice the entire time. I literally have worked through loopholes. Nothing I do is illegal. Nothing I've done is, is, is not okay, but did it, was I one of the first people to start doing Reiki with her clients? Yes. With her psychotherapy clients? Yes. And at one point, was that so taboo and so unethical and you can't do that? And maybe that's not in your realm of modalities and whatever. Like, yes. Like, I had to go through a lot to to be one of the first people in my community to be doing that. Um, now, it's like mainstream. Oh, Everybody's everywhere. doing Reiki with their psychotherapy clients now. Yeah. Everybody's doing Reiki work. Well, so it's going to be like life coaches, too. Like, yeah, I'm an intuitive and life thing. coach. Here I am. I'm going to mix yep. all these modalities for you. Which, at the yeah. end of the day, if everybody's doing the same thing, even though they're not doing the same thing, it all goes back to a soul connection for me with trying to figure yeah. out who you're actually supposed to work with. And I'm not saying, just like you said, like, was it a good trip or a bad trip? Maybe you're supposed to have this, this experience. That's right. To, to trust your intuition more. You don't even yeah. know how your intuition feels when it's telling you yes and telling you no. So you need to go with the shaman that's not gonna sexually assault you by any means, but just probably not guard you and have your best intentions in mind or be too distracted right. or there's so many different things that could go on. You don't have a really good experience in this. Does that mean that you don't push forward and still like almost like double down? Like give yourself some time, but I love that you're like, you're serve the experience that you're meant to have because there is such a, a shine on, okay, I take this medicine, I have this experience and then I'm going to be good afterwards. And I can just like go back to my life that wasn't working in the first place, which is why I came to the medicine in the first place. And it's like, like, I really do think that antidepressants really fucked everybody's perception up on how you're supposed to help yourself. Because for the longest time, it was go to the doctor, get some help, they'll give you a label, you'll get a ribbon, you'll get a month to celebrate your label, and then, hey, we have all this medicine to like help humanity, which some are good, some are suppressants, I'm not a really big fan of that type of medicine. And instead of, like, I know like in therapy, like you get what am I trying to say? Like help to integrate even in like 3D world is the best way I could say, it, right? Like they're like, oh, okay, yeah. well, we just found out today in therapy that you were actually molested when you were 13 and you had no idea. But now like through therapeutic, psychological ways, not intuitiveness, nothing like that. Like we've really bridged that gap. Um, we noticed that you're having this struggle. So we're just going to give you this medicine like right now to help you. And I think truly in our minds with even the way like my back's in pain, let me take ibuprofen, it's gone. I didn't breathe it away. I didn't stretch it away. I didn't question it and ask why it was there in the first place or what caused it or anything. The only thing I did was I just popped this pill and it went away. So we went to, oh, I don't really have to heal myself. I just need to go talk to somebody so they can make me understand what's going on. But then this pill that I really think is sold as like helping integration was a suppressant. And it also made everybody super fucking lazy on what you actually do 
have to do to take care of yourself and build those new pathways moving forward. So mm -hmm. now we're moving into a state where we have the real fucking mother plant medicine that's been here the whole time. It's been suppressed, oppressed, demonized, everything in between, and nobody's fucking buying that anymore. And they're like, I, I wanna know what this feels like, I wanna do with it. Now there is a whole different aspect because you don't fucking take this mushroom and then go back to your nine to five. You don't take this, you don't have this experience, you don't see your God particle, you don't do, like you're asking for an ego death and this is not a dead end company show, okay? This will literally turn your life upside fucking down for your benefit because you've got to be ready for that. not working out. But the fact that, like, okay, for instance, I know this kid back in the day, and he was a, like, lead singer in a metal group. And I remember when I met him, it was so funny because he literally was like, I met him after he had his awakening, right? And he... Went to a party one night, someone that didn't like him dosed him with a vial of acid and he woke up in a hospital bed chained to it and had no idea that someone had dosed him prior. He just wow. knew that he was, after that he was awake, he explained the whole acid experience to me, his guides coming in and talking to him, them telling that he'd been living wrong, he knew he was living wrong and he wasn't doing it right. And then immediately afterwards, he was a, um, now he could paint. And he could paint things from the fifth dimension, ascension photos, all of this stuff. But he didn't go and seek plant medicine. He didn't go and seek spiritual enlightenment. He was a fucking asshole, according to him. So I'm okay to say that. He was an asshole. He said, I'm Italian, so it's okay that I'm an asshole. And I was like, okay. Like, apparently... That's a characteristic of all, all that. Okay, good to go. But I had met him after he had woken up and he was into, I mean, literally, it was probably like meeting like Alex Gray or something. The cosmos, the unity, the synchronicities, collective, yeah. uni like it's how he spoke. It's how he's lived his life. He lived his life off of synchronicities. The opportunities would literally, literally vibrate to him. And I got to see this from an outside perspective of reading about people like this and reading about experiences, but he got fucking dosed and he was thrown into that. And when he came out, he was like, that wasn't even me. That was my ego. It was meant to happen for me. But his whole, like, he went on a completely different path, which he's extremely successful. He is a very prominent painter in galleries and everything now. That wouldn't have happened had this guy hated him and been like, hey, let me go throw a vial of acid in his beer. You know, yeah. not freaking cool. So disclaimer for people that are still doing the research and trying to figure out what is the best way for me to start integrating plant medicine into my life when, like for me, I still want to have the experience for my healing purposes, but how do I make sure that I'm going to be okay to still be an exceptional mother and an exceptional wife and human being in all of my 3d experiences what would you mm -hmm. say to someone who was calling you and was like i'm called to plant medicine but i just really don't know how to start yeah so obviously there are certain medicines that you should not microdose i'm going to say that up front because 
people don't understand that, that that's not a thing. Like, a boga, if you have not been initiated by the Buiti tribe, do not, do not microdose a boga. And that's, there's a lot of reasons behind why I say that, and I'm not going to get into that. If you want me to get into that, please contact me. I'll have to have that conversation with you. But, um, because I know there are other people that feel differently about that. Um, but I will say that for myself, microdosing the medicines before having the big, big experience was really nice for me because I was able to understand the spirit of the plant and work with the plant better when I was in a bigger dose. So I, aside from aboga, have microdosed everything before having bigger experiences with it. Um, and to your point about antidepressants, it's absolutely ridiculous because we have plant medicines that work as antidepressants. Psilocybin is an SSRI, which is a classification of antidepressant. Um, BCAPI, which is legal everywhere, it is does not have activated DMT in it. Um, it, it, it works as an MAOI, which is a classification of antidepressants blue lotus which is legal everywhere but not safe for human consumption via the fda um is a dopamine agonist great for depression so we have these things and i, I actually came back and started making these tinctures because i wanted these medicines in microdose form to be available for people because also i was yes. helping my clinical clients get off their antidepressants and you start using plant medicines because they work differently in the body and they metabolize differently and antidepressants block or surge different things different chemicals in your brain and in your body so that you have a certain experience whereas plant medicine does that as well but it also again works with the neural pathways in your brain and activate different parts of the brain and reconnect different things i tell my clients all the time when they start microdosing a medicine from me they will say well how long do i have to be on this and i will say don't worry about it the plant will naturally titrate you off of it when you're ready and that happens they will literally just start naturally taking less of it and then they don't need it. And they're always like, Nina, that was so magical. How'd you know that? And I was like, I didn't like, it's just the plant thing. Like it's the spirit of, the plant. I can't explain it to you in a way that like, if you're not into the spiritual concept, like you're not going to get it, but it's, I'm never wrong about that. Um, and so microdosing is always a great way to kind of start into some of this. Um, and like I said, some of these plants are very legal. Some of them um, are just decriminalized or just becoming legal somewhere else like psilocybin. So definitely know the legalities of what you're taking and where you're at and what you're doing and how to get it. Um, because that's the other thing. Like there are places where psilocybin is decriminalized and you can grow it for your own personal use. And that's how these things have been um, available for people. But you can't sell them. You can't buy them. You can't. There's no dispensaries open. They're working on doing that in Oregon right now. Obviously, Colorado legalized things, but you still can't do those things there. Um, the regulations haven't come through yet. So that's been very confusing for people, like understanding the legislation of things as well and where those legalities are at. So always make sure you're kind of understanding that sourcing is really important um there's a i don't know if people have heard about all of the drugs that have been laced with fentanyl in denver that's been a huge issue so you know sourcing if you're sourcing something make sure that you really vet that as well um to microdose and then 
you know, there is, and I can't, I, I can't, I, it's not on the tip of my tongue, but I cannot think of the name of it. Um, but if you're watching this podcast and you want to reach out to me, I will happily give you this resource um, or literally any other resources. And I do, by the way, have a lot of free resources about how to find a facilitator, how to do all of those things for this, the safety and the harm reduction side of things. But um, there is a resource that is, I believe it's a website that has safe facilitators on it. So these facilitators have been vetted in different ways and, and they have been named as, as safe, um, safe resources for going to sit with the medicine, whether they're in the country or out of the country. Because I think that's the other thing to understand. There's a ton of psychedelic churches that have popped up in the United States, um, mainly because there's like this really wonky legislation, a federal legislation that says, um, churches can use this as a sacrament, but I'm going to tell you that does not protect you legally. So if you are a psychedelic church or you're opening a psychedelic church, just know that like, that's also, it doesn't make it legal. Um, the by the way, areas so, really are weird because if we're introducing plant medicine mainstream, but there's still all these weird, like gray areas, you travel over here and it's still like false propaganda. It's a drug. It's not doing anything you're going to lose your mind. And you go over to the state line and they're like, it's a medicine. It connects you back to yourself and helps you heal your traumas and connect to your purpose and, you know, whatever else. That's really confusing for people that are truly just have the intention of getting better. Like I said for me in the beginning, like, it's not like I haven't done a multitude of different modalities and I have worked through so many blocks that I, I mean, just in the four years that I've been consciously aware, like diligently, body, mind, soul, what am I doing? Auditing, messing up, forgiving myself for messing up, knowing I'm just human, you know, going through all those steps. I have identified things that I really think plant medicine in the right setting and the right safe environment is the absolute modality that I choose. Now I've chosen plant medicine what way do I do it? How do I do it? Where do I do it? And it continues to go down. And just like you, I think integration is one of the most important things ever. But you're the first person to tell me that a 12 month in integration is supremely normal for a uh, serving. I've never, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I've, I've heard so many different, different numbers, but that's been the biggest number that I've heard. And I'm like, that makes more sense to me because integration is like, always my main thing with anything that I do. It's just not going to stick. It's going to, I'm going to get further away from the event horizon and it's, it's going to become a myth. It's going to become a, hopefully a memory, but maybe not. I know when these things come in and they're so life-changing, I'm still like one of those people where like, I'm a fucking believer of shrooms, but I've been a believer of shrooms since I tried them when I threw my antidepressants away because that shit was fucking weird. And then when I did the shrooms, I actually found out everything's going to be fucking okay. Shit's a little weird, but it's going to be okay. I feel bad for these people that just want to feel better. And now they are believing this science, trusting this science, trusting this knowledge that's always been there, but it's been suppressed. And again, just, oh, that's bad. The way that people 
don't want to go and do things because they're scared of the way that others will look and talk about them. I know that that's still a big thing with psychedelic therapy. I went home to my family that, I mean, I 100% still think that they just believe it's a drug. And I just started talking about the podcast, which is still a little far-fetched to them. And I said, um, yeah, one of the biggest things that I'm working on in the next couple years is uh, shooting a documentary in Costa Rica with about five people, the group, everything. And we're going to document all of us individually, but then us collectively of how, you know, we can really understand this, this conscious awakening in all of us, but this true beautiful connection that resides in all of us that we're able to tap into if we just remove our blockages, our ego and our traumas out of the situation to really push our true selves through. And mixed reviews, not gonna lie. Like I was really surprised that one of my family members was intrigued by it because he too is intrigued by the movement from an observational standpoint, I don't think by actually doing it. Everybody else in my family, for the most point, I'm not offended, um, they just kind of like glazed over, like, because mm -hmm. I think they still are really stuck in that programming and not really understanding or even ever having psilocybin experience in your life. Like I was raised by a police officer. Imagine going home to like your, your dad who's, I'm like, hey, found this medicine. You've been popping people for years over it, but it turns out, you know, it's been saving people's lives up and down the street. Like, what do you think about that? My dad's totally on board for like the psychedelic movement in a proper setting, right? And even when yeah. like marijuana came online, he's like, I would much rather arrest somebody with weed or shrooms on them, not, or that were on weed and shrooms and like, you know, I'm doing my job. He goes, then a drunk person. He goes, anybody that was ever high in my backseat literally was like, can you please take me to the drive-thru before you book me? You know, he's like, not one time did I ever had like a drunk guy be super cool. Like they're just violent and angry and outrageous. So I've rambled enough about this, but my point is I really do feel sorry for these people that are stuck with the pressure of society. They're stuck with the pressure of family and loved ones judging them for wanting to go get this help because I know before it was ever a fucking movement like this that it's been like an eighth of shrooms saved me it helped my perspective I literally was traumatized by what met western medicine did to my brain and I'm so thankful that I was born with an incurable curiosity of if I take this pill what's it actually going to do to my body and I took the time to study what it actually did to my brain and realized I don't want to outsource myself to this pill. I don't want to feel dependent on this for my good mood. And I don't want to, I don't want to take a fucking pill the rest of my life. You can't really get addicted to taking shrooms like that if you educate yourself and it's facilitated properly and safely. And I think the more that these conversations happen, the more that you go out and talk, I get to interview people. I'm definitely not a talking head on the subject. I am a supreme supporter and observer and however I can get the message out, I think that's definitely my role in it. But I think the more that it's talked about, we're gonna make these people feel safe about taking their health back into their own hands and educating on tinctures, that beautiful, beautiful answer. Microdosing before taking the bigger doses. You have inspired me. So I am so thankful for you coming on the show today. Not only 
us chit-chatting for an hour and a half before we actually press record, <laughs> but all of the phenomenal, amazing, vulnerable, insightful information, even the fucked up parts of it, I just appreciate you so much for being vulnerable because these are the kind of conversations we fucking need with this movement. So thank you, yeah. thank you, thank you. So much more I could say about some of that too, about, um, you know, like I've had people that, again, like you said, they go to the psychedelics because they just want to feel better and they don't want to do the work. And then they're really disappointed that they have to do the work. And that's a, an issue. And, you know, like I've also just had so many different experiences with the way that it's been done. And, and when you asked, you know, like, how do I start? Where do I go? What do I do? I 1000% just followed my intuition with everything. Now, one thing that trauma does is takes that away from us. It does what society has done to us, right? Pulled it outside of ourselves. Like you said, let me just take this antidepressant or this ibuprofen instead of figuring out what's really going on with me and how to listen to my intuition for that. And let's, um, like God, religion has taken God outside of ourselves. We see God as this entity outside of ourselves, but what you realize with 5-MeO-DMT is that it's actually part of you, right? That you're actually, there's a God self. So we have all of these things that take it outside of ourselves. So, and this is one thing that I do with all of my therapy clients too. I mean, obviously all of my coaching clients as well, but the other thing that I'm going to say to you, Cheyenne, is that, Follow your intuition and your gut. If your gut and your intuition is telling you to do it a certain way or to go, to go like skip the microdosing and go while out in the jungle, like then do that and listen to your intuition. And that is like the biggest thing I think I could give anybody for any of this because just like, was it a great experience that I had when I was totally ditched with integration from 5-MeO and I had that serious suicidal ideation and I had that moment where like I almost did like all of those things no that wasn't great it was freaking terrifying but now here I am talking about it telling people like this is a thing so be careful mm -hmm. this is a thing so be careful and had I not just listened to my intuition and just went and had 5-MeO be my first experience have been my first experience and had that experience, I wouldn't be so passionate about harm reduction, right? So I think whatever your intuition is leading you to, you just have to trust. And if it feels like a shitty experience, it's because you need to have a shitty experience in order to find the lessons of that. And I think that that's one thing that as humans, and especially with this plant medicine is like really trying to hammer home to us is listen to your freaking body not your brain listen to yourself listen to your gut instincts listen to your intuition we literally have all of the knowledge in our body to know how to cure any absolutely any disease that we come upon how to make ourselves feel better and okay and it's just that we've pulled ourselves so far apart from ourselves that we are not in a space to understand that. And part of what psychedelics do is help bring you back to that and give that back to you. But I will say, and I have struggled with this over the last two years massively as I'm trying to do this integration, it is really difficult 
to listen to that and to be fully seated in your power. One, because it's terrifying to learn how powerful we really are as human beings. And I say human beings because there's those three parts of us. And it is also very terrifying to be the one person of the one percent of the one percent of the one percent that is sitting here listening fully to yourself and going against what everyone else is telling you you should be doing. It's terrifying. So those are integration pieces that are so important that I think like we miss a lot. And so going back to your question too, I think that, I mean, obviously I gave you some ideas of where you could start or how you could start. And um, like I said, like I've started providing those medicines for people because I think it's super important. But if that's not what you've been called to do either, like, you know, and maybe that will be like, maybe you needed to hear that. And you're like, Oh, now I do want to microdose something first or, you know, whatever. Oh, it's, I it's, totally it's like, have been into wanting to microdose forever. I just, yeah. it's so weird when it's not, it still feels illegal to have it available to you. Like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I can grow my own and make my own tinctures. That's great. That's exactly what I wanted to do when I'm already yeah. learning how to make my own garden. Cause I don't even trust the grocery store across the street. Like there's just so many wheels spinning right now. The last thing on my plate is to figure out how to like legally microdose for my mental health when mm-hmm. I'm in a supremely conservative state. I'm pretty sure that's what they call it because I'm not political. Um, but I did work for like a, a radio station for a while and that's what they were talking about there. So I was like, oh, okay, this is fine. Um, but I really want to microdose but the only thing that I see is companies in like Canada selling tinctures or chocolate or whatever. And you can ship it to your house, but you take 100% full responsibility for that shit on your porch. If it gets confiscated, if you can get arrested for it, I don't know what the law is in Kansas anymore. I don't know what it is anywhere. It's so confusing. And I am one of those people that's like, I believe in microdosing. I would really like to try it, but I do want to do it responsibly, but you got me fucked up. Capital F. If you think I would ever take mushrooms and sit in a clinical fucking setting, if you give me any plant medicine, I better be able to connect so hard with the earth that it swallows me whole and shoots me back out correctly. Because I don't understand sitting in those rooms, like I'm picturing an examination room, it doesn't even matter. And I'm like, I just feel so stifled thinking about being in there. So I know the experience that I want. I've done my own research, but now I'm finding that this entity, this agency that was formed forever ago to protect me and honor my best interests is actually the thing in the way from me stepping into another level of my mental health success. And I find that annoying, which again, is why I think these conversations are important because I'm not the only fucking one. I want to microdose every day. Do I want to do it forever? Absolutely not. But I've studied the benefits. I've seen the benefits in other people and I want that shit. So yeah. Well, I'll say um, action. Just to also because of some of your listeners, um, just for right now, as it stands where we were, we are at on this day, um, it is completely illegal to have 
psilocybin mushrooms sent to your doorstep from literally anywhere, Mm -hmm. whether it's out of the country or in the country or any of those things, right? Um, There are certain places and you'll have to look up your own state and your own area where it's decriminalized where you can, again, grow it for your own personal use and microdose. But I will also say that, and that's getting ready to change a little bit and in certain places, right? Oregon's working on the first regulations to open a psilocybin dispensary where that will be like very much different, right? But it'll still be illegal if you drive to Oregon and drive back to Kansas. Like it's Mm -hmm. still illegal in Kansas. So understand that, like how it kind of how the the cannabis movement started. Mm -hmm. But there are other things like the ayahuasca vine, um, perfectly legal to have microdose tincture everywhere except Louisiana blue lotus that's another tincture that I make and mail out and it's it's the dopamine agonist and that is also something that is perfectly legal everywhere except for Louisiana um that you can have mailed to you literally anywhere and then you know there are other ones like um I make one like Mexican dream and like there are other like psychedelics that are less well known that do have some of the same properties microdosing psilocybin um that are completely legal because they are lesser known and that's so i guess that's the other thing too like doing like you said some of this research too um combo is not psychedelic um but it is completely legal everywhere rapé not psychedelic but those two things have, have helped me tremendously to stay grounded like um and those are are legal everywhere um so there's a lot of other things that and i'm not even talking about herbalism i'm like just talking about like amazonian plant medicine but um you know of course there are other supplements i'm actually trained in functional medicine for mental health so there are a lot of other supplements that you can like in herbals that you can use but um so there are those things though that you can microdose that'll give you similar b cappies and maoi um psilocybin's an SSRI and those do similar things in the brain um, and they are both classifications of antidepressants so if someone was like oh I really want to microdose psilocybin but it's illegal I would suggest getting a B-cappy tincture and start there because it's going to do something really similar in the brain um, the other thing when we were talking about neural pathways and like how psilocybin mushrooms do this like they reconnect neural pathways in your brain They the studies have shown that um, but regular gourmet mushrooms like chaga, lion's mane, turkey tail, those things, those are new tropics and they also help do that for your brain. And those are perfectly legal everywhere too. So there are things that you can do that are, that can help prepare you for going to sitting with a bigger medicine and things that you can do to help your mental health are a little bit different as well as, as opposed to like the clinical sides of things. So if I want to come sit with you, what's my best way to get a hold of you? Email me. Email me. And I get see I, where you're I, living at the time. Like four people have um, tried to call me during this time, and I'm like, I'm never available by phone call. But yeah, if you just email me or <clears throat> go to my website and contact me through that. Like, yeah, that's yeah, great. absolutely. And then you. Like I said, you're in New Mexico right now, so like if I wanted to come out to New Mexico and visit you, that would be the best way to do it. And then we'll figure yeah. out figure out yeah. how we're gonna do it. I also am not hesitant to come to Wichita. Oh my Kansas. It's not too far from my Hey too far from my hometown. Hey, so buddy. <laughs> Ooh, I'll show you around. You show me around, I'll show you around. You know what I'm saying? I've been to Wichita <laughs> twice. It's not it's not bad. 
it's not bad. I like it. I like. I think it's a great culture. Um, we have great concert venues, which is the reason that I like yes. it. And I can Uber to an airport, so that's like fucking royalty for me, is to see my favorite bands play down the street from where I live. And if I have to fly anywhere, there's an airport. Those are like two things, and probably DoorDash on occasion, that I'm just like... <laughs> I never knew this world existed, but like you, I grew up in a small town. So seeing musicians, actors, like anything outside of your small town, you're like, how do I get out of here? Like, yeah. how do I see that? Right. So having these go from being a luxury to an everyday thing in my life is something I don't take for granted when I think about living in a place like this, because there are yeah, obviously sure. like city trade-offs, but yeah, I love the culture. I love that my daughter's going to get to grow up around so much more than I did. And I, I hope that she's not like such a little baby bird when I when she goes out. Like, she'll know more. She'll see more. She'll know how to talk. You know, that'll be really good for her. Me, I was just, I just felt so behind on everything when I went out. Because I was just like, what are you guys doing over here? You know, it felt like the trends got a little late got just a little late where I was at sometimes when I was younger. So I'm just like, I'm 32, yep. but I feel like I'm five. Hi, I'm Cheyenne. Be kind to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look forward to uh, continuing to keep up with you. I know that we're Facebook friends yeah. and I'll follow all the fun stuff that you're doing. If you ever want to come back on, update us, teach a class, harm reduction, literally whatever you want to do. I am always welcome to have a conversation with you here because I absolutely love our talks. I do. I really enjoy our conversations as well. I do too. It's good stuff. Yeah. Well, all my friends, you know that the link's below for Nina. So go ahead, check out the pretty little description, check out all the links and don't forget to check out my links. Okay. I need your support if I'm going to go do ayahuasca in Costa Rica. Okay. Yes. I'm not a millionaire starting a podcast, but I will be a millionaire. Quote me on that. Okay. So Nina, before we get off here, I have a song today by Neovi because I can't quit playing his new album. I wish it was longer, but I picked a song called Clean off his new album, Dusk. And don't forget Vitality Exposed Concert Photography. Go check it out on Instagram and her website right now. She's going to take you into that show. And you're going to love me even more for hooking you up with plant medicine facilitators, kick-ass music, and amazing photographers. So I'll see you on the next episode. I love you all endlessly. Bye, Nina. Thanks again. Bye. So This is the Hoosier Media Network, your home for podcasting.